Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Asher Agency, a full-service marketing agency with offices in Indiana, West Virginia, and Washington, D.C. For nearly 50 years, Asher has helped our clients tell their stories, reach customers and prospects, and stand out from the crowd. To learn more about how we can help your company, visit asheragency.com or contact us at hello at asheragency.com. My guest is Lucas Fonseca. Lucas, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for doing this, especially on a very warm day where you walked here. Yeah, I regret that decision, but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> right, Thank you well, for good. inviting me. Well, you seem to have survived the walk, so thanks for doing it. <laughs> well, Lucas, you and I met, when was it? A few months ago, and I was really fascinated by your story, so wanted to hear more about that and let others hear your story. And I want to start at whatever the beginning is for you and talk about how you have come to be the founder of a business, actually multiple businesses, if I'm correct. Um, mm -hmm. But want to hear specifically about what were you thinking in terms of career possibilities and how did that lead you to where you are today? Yeah, so uh, I come from Chile. So I came to study business to the U.S. Uh, when I came here, I knew I wanted to be in business. Um, so... Yeah, I started my first business when I was a sophomore in college, and that's when I founded Language Matters, of course. Uh, as you said, I also uh, founded other businesses, like yeah. uh, I helped my brother start a business that he runs now. Uh, so we've, we've been doing a lot of things, uh, different initiatives, and, um, you know, uh, it, it's been great. Um, so what was the question again? So, <laughs> so in terms of, I think you answered it really well, but I want to, I want to, uh, dig into one thing. So how did you end up, you you were a student at Grace College, correct? Yeah, that's right. So how did you end up from Chile to Grace College? How did you end up choosing Warsaw, Indiana, of all places, or Winona Lake, Indiana? Yeah, a lot of people ask me that question. <clears throat> so I was actually looking for scholarship to come here to play tennis. Aha. Uh -huh. okay. And uh, I, I'm from a medium-sized city back mm -hmm. home, so I was looking for a place that would be similar. Yeah. Uh, but then I realized that a lot of the smaller colleges um, that were offering scholarships to us were smaller. And I also have a twin brother, by the way, so I came with them okay. um, to study. At, and so I actually, we got a lot of different offers for different scholarships, Yeah. Uh, but we ended up deciding for Grace College because it gave uh, the most scholarship to both my brother and I. And then um, we had no idea where we were coming. <laughs> actually, it's really yeah. funny because we were on the plane about to land and um Artro and I my brother and I look out the window and we're like oh where are we going where are we <laughs> yeah and so we asked someone at the plane are we at the right place we're coming to Grace College Warsaw and they said that the person told us oh yeah yeah so we're like 40 minutes away from Warsaw and that's where that college is and and we were looking at each other and say, say, uh, saying, uh, there is nothing here. We only could see <laughs> yeah. a cornfield. So this is the Fort Wayne Airport. Right, right, yeah, right. For <laughs> many of the people listening to this will know that the Fort Wayne Airport's in a pretty rural part of Allen County. Um, but, you know, it's Fort Wayne is the second largest city in Indiana. Um, not a big city, but a city nonetheless. And you don't see the skyline <laughs> when you land at the airport. It's right. still a good yeah. distance away. So had you ever been to Indiana prior to, wow. No, okay. no. So I, I was in Florida before, so very different. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I actually didn't have much experience 
in the U.S. and, and nothing. I've never been in Indiana, so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, well, and that's, at least you had your brother with you. That was, that yes. was great. And great that you were able to have that experience with him. Absolutely. And he's actually working in Warsaw now for one of the um, biomedical companies, correct? Yes. So, he's at Zimmer Biomed, but yeah. he also uh, runs one of our businesses on the side. So Excellent. Um, uh, he moved to Fort Wayne recently, oh, so really? okay. I got to move to Fort Wayne. <laughs> All right. So, so can you identify anything that sort of sparked that interest in entrepreneurship? Was there was there anything growing up that made you say, "I want to be a business founder someday," or did it just happen kind of organically? Yeah, no. We actually uh, grew up in a family where a lot of our family members own businesses okay. and they're very entrepreneurial. Yeah. So I remember from a young age waking up. Uh, and seeing my dad hustling from very early in the morning. Yeah. And I grew up thinking I really want to do that because I I uh, was able to see the independence that he had. Yep. And, but also I really enjoy seeing how he could manage to uh, create his own work schedule. So that's something that I wanted for me. I also realized that uh, it allows you to be very creative yep. and, and it allows you to live out your passion. So uh, I think that through family, we, we both realized that we wanted to be in business. And so I came to college thinking that I was going to do something, but maybe uh, that changed uh, yeah. when, you know, when it's different to see it to, than, than to actually do it. So, sure. but, but for sure. Yeah. So family. Okay. All right. So, so let's talk about language matters yep. because it's a, it's a very interesting concept. I was struck by it the, the minute you described it to me. So for folks who might not be familiar with the organization, what is it that you do? What problems are you trying to solve? Yes, yeah, so we help organizations connect with Hispanics uh, in their communities. Mm -hmm. uh, so we do that through a, a variety of services. One of them is translation services, uh, tutoring programs, and we also do consulting services for organizations that really want to get into the Hispanic market uh, in a very authentic way because we really want to uh, bring everything that we know about our communities and give organizations an opportunity to really engage with those communities in an authentic way. And you founded the company in Warsaw, and That's now right. you're, I don't want to say moving it to, but you're moving into the Fort Wayne market. What are some of the primary challenges in, in either market or in both markets that you see employers facing that you can help them address? Yeah, I think that um, it's, it's actually pretty simple, but it's not. Uh, so I think we have a shortage of workers, and mm -hmm. we realize that in every industry, especially in the orthopedic industries, is where we realize uh, uh, first in Warsaw. Uh, and we also realize that there are a lot of Hispanics that are ready to work, but they're not necessarily always qualified to mm -hmm. enter the workforce in a pretty um, you know, high skill kind of workforce. So uh, we really want to work with those organizations so that we can equip those individuals and also give the opportunity to those companies to hire from a larger pool of workers. Uh, so we recognize that the Hispanic community being one of the fastest growing populations in Indiana and in, in the country could really propel uh, companies to, to, to have more opportunities to hire, uh, retain, and also just have, uh, you know, a more healthy workforce. Yeah, well, and, and you mentioned translation, you know, language is right. sometimes a barrier, but there's other barriers as well, exactly. cultural barriers. What are some of the primary things you think are maybe um, the, the greatest opportunities for employers to maybe look at these prospective employees differently and bring them into their company in a way where they're going to feel welcome and be productive. 
Yeah, I think that companies have an opportunity to open up uh, the, their culture to be, you know, to be ready to create infrastructures to receive these workers is way more than just having a paper translated. I think that's what most of people most people think it is about, but yeah. it's actually way broader than that. So I'm, I'm glad that you're mentioning that because uh, when we prepare an organization to receive Hispanics, for example, uh, there, there are a lot of things that have to happen for that to be efficient and effective. And when you really are able to get uh, to that point, your organization benefits from many different ways and not just having things in Spanish, sure. but you begin understanding more customers that might come from the market and is, is an opportunity to kind of set your organization up for being a very Hispanic-friendly, for example, organization. So it helps at every level, at the consumer, kind of facing the consumer level, but also internally. So it, it, the way I see it, and it's one of our biggest strengths at Language Matters, is we try to have people from different cultures in our mm -hmm. team. Yeah. And that's our biggest strength, because we have a lot of people that sit at the table, and they all contribute, and they have different viewpoints, and it allows us to really uh, make more informed decisions and we take the best out of every person's, uh, every everybody's perspective. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about your team. Talk mm -hmm. about how big is the team, and then talk about some of the folks on the team, the roles they play, and what your role is, and kind of leading the organization forward. Yeah. So um, we have, man, I always get this wrong, but we have a lot, about ten people yeah. on the team. Uh, we have um, have a person that works closely with me. She's my assistant, and she um, really does. I say she does everything. She does all yeah. the background mm -hmm. kind of work, uh, making sure that everything is organized. But then we also have people that are more specialized in different areas. For example, the education area. We have teachers, uh, people that went to college to do that. Okay, and and then we also have translators and um, interpreters, and then also partner companies that we deal with, so that we can have best services uh, possible. Um, we rely a lot on people abroad. We have teams that are not f uh, based in the U.S., mm -hmm. and we do that because we really want to bring more experience to our area, and we know that there's so just so many people that you sure. can go around sure. in the Fort Wayne area, and in, even in Indiana. Yeah. Uh, so we're trying to expand that to give our communities here uh, better quality services. So, so knowing that you're looking for a diverse team in a number of different ways, diverse in, in, in skills, diverse in background, background. Mm -hmm. How are you recruiting folks to your team? How are you finding these people? Yeah, so uh, it is actually wonderful. And it goes back to my tennis time. Yeah. Uh, because that's the way that uh, the tennis team at Grace, for example, uh, got a lot of international mm -hmm. um, players. Mm -hmm. It's the same way I recruit. Uh, when you hire someone from one country, they happen to have friends and qualified yeah. people like them. Yeah. And so we create this sort of network that allow us to um, have very good conversations with very qualified people. No, it, it doesn't always work, sure. uh, but we really have an outlet to gain a broader network by working with uh, people abroad, uh, but also by, you know, not just being in Fort Wayne or not just being in Warsaw, but expanding that network to, um, you know, the county, uh, the region, and, yep. and the state. Uh, so we really spend a lot of time uh, talking with a lot of people. All the time that I spend networking, I'm usually thinking, about two things is, is this person, could, could this person be a client? Yeah. Could this person be in our team? Because uh -huh. it's really yeah. important for me to balance the team and also uh, the services we provide. Yeah. So, so you had this idea for founding a business, owning a business when you were younger. How is the yeah. reality <laughs> of that stacked up against the, the dream or the idea that you had? 
Oh, it's, it's just so different because uh, yeah. we, uh, you know, my, I remember my brother and I would f- found, uh, we would uh, start businesses when we were kids. I yeah. remember it was super funny uh, now looking back to it. But I think the main difference is that it's actually way harder than, you know, we see it. We see these movies about entrepreneur- entrepreneurship yeah. and, and, and it's just nothing like that where you have so many hours that I amount to very little sometimes mm-hmm. but you have to go through them yeah and so i think that the main thing that is that has been really different is just the, the getting used to a lot of rejection sometimes mm-hmm. not because people want to just reject you but just because the reality that's the, the kind of like straightforward reality is that nobody cares yeah. <laughs> right yeah well and and you know your your model is one that is for a lot of companies would be an would be new right it's right. not something they already have in the budget so you're asking them to do the hardest thing that humans do and that's change behavior change organizational true. behavior so it's not while it's a while it's a great service it's not an easy sell and you know i think We've done people a disservice when we talk about entrepreneurship and when we talk about the the fun side of it or the, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we forget to talk about the hard part. Um, what are some of the things that you're doing to build your network in Fort Wayne? You, you had some natural opportunity to do that in Warsaw, having gone to school there. But what are you trying to do in, in the larger market of Fort Wayne to try to get your name out there and get your business established? Yeah. So I I go to a lot of events and I also I, when I first moved to Fort Wayne I was looking for something really specific so I never just went to an event just kind of hoping that I would yeah. meet someone yeah. but I was looking always for very specific people mm-hmm. and I I feel that I've made those you know I've taken those steps and things are going well but it, it's always for me at the beginning was finding those strategic partners people that I can trust people yep. that I feel comfortable with and people that have a similar uh, you know, vision for what we could do in the area. Yeah. And so once I found those people, they naturally have connections and sure. that then it becomes a more, much more natural kind of uh, way to expand into the area. And I think that uh, the finding those right people at the beginning is the hardest part because sure. there are a lot of people that want to do things, but maybe they are not the right fit to be your partner or to work with you or even to just, you know, uh, get recommendations from. So I think uh, finding who you can work with uh, well, that was for me the the main thing when I got to Fort Wayne in the first place. Yeah. So, so Lucas, can you tell us a little bit about some of the work you're doing? What are some of the things you're working on right mm-hmm. now? And and obviously, don't give away too much <laughs> any any trade secrets. But what are some of the things that you're doing now? Maybe they're the top of your to do list. Yeah. They're keeping you up at night. They're exciting you. Maybe a combination of all those things. A couple of things. And is it okay if I kind of list uh, and yeah, talk a little bit do. about them? So, uh, I would say the number one is we. Were we're able. We were able to test new services that we offered in the city of Warsaw, and they were extremely successful. Okay. So at this point, it's our priority to replicate those around the state as much as possible. Okay. And uh, just because we made a lot of mistakes, and we also saw a lot of success. Sure. And we've created. You know, we have proof of concept and something we can take uh, to other communities to benefit them. So I would say that's one big priority. And then the other thing that we're doing is we really want to, again, we want to bring in more talent Mm -hmm. to the area by enhancing our company's capacity. So when I talk about improving my team, I talk about creating connections maybe with people in other countries, in other Mm -hmm. uh, places in the U.S. so that we can offer 
we can offer better sure. quality services and improve and, and enhance everything that we have. There are amazing companies working in our, in our area, uh, but I believe that it is always a good thing um, that uh, other companies can grow and can bring in more quality and more quality so that we have this sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the way that we uh, see quality can also change, mm -hmm. uh, so can improve. So that's another important thing that we're doing by just really investing into the team and into the company to offer those services. Uh, and the, the last thing we're doing is really getting more into technology. Mm -hmm. uh, we realize that technology is the future in a lot of ways. Sure, sure. So we're really looking into developing more uh, opportunities for people to learn a language, but we're really looking into technology uh, to merge between the academic side and the technology to create unique opportunities for people to learn English because we realize that that is one uh, big factor that could improve quality of life and also our workforce in our community. Sure. Well, you know, one, one of the things that we're seeing with AI, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of my depth pretty quickly, <laughs> is that it is transforming how quickly things like translation can happen. Yep. Um, and what I'd like to hear from you is, is what are some of the things that AI can't replicate? What are some of the things, you know, how do you leverage technology in a way that is useful to your company, but w what can your company do that the technology can't, I guess is the question that I'm asking. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to need to separate this between yeah. uh, education side, learning yep. the language, and then actually using it for yep. communication. Uh, so uh, when it comes to just communication, let's say I didn't speak any English and mm -hmm. I come to you and you want to have a podcast with me. I think technology has gotten to the point where it's really precise in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but what technology, even AI, can still do is uh, it's very hard for AI to recognize intent. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that are hidden yep. to uh, the, the technology still, and and I think that that's going to still we still have a long a long way before we yeah. can get there. And so I always give this super simple example: that you just plug in any sentence or a paragraph in Google Translate, uh, for example, and we get a lot of stuff wrong. And yeah. it's just the oh, way it is. Sure. Yeah. It is helpful, uh, but. As a company, we don't rely on that to yeah. deliver communication. Yeah. We use technology to improve our process, maybe to you know uh, count how long a, a project is going to take, yep. or to do some of the uh, you know like basic kind of translation. Yeah. But we always have to have people looking over uh, that work. Yeah. In the education sphere, it's even harder because it, that's something that there's nothing, there's not an injection that makes you speak another language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And AI, to me, sounds a little bit like that. Uh, there's no way to replace the connection that you have with a person when you can speak to them in their first language. Mm -hmm. And so even if I had a translator, even if this thing had yeah. translated your voice into Spanish, I know it's not directly your words mm -hmm. in Spanish is being interpreted. Yeah. And I think that that's super powerful. What people don't don't realize, not everybody, but some people don't realize is that communication in our, our first language is such a powerful tool. Yeah. Uh, beyond just the communication factor, it's all, it's also, it also sends a message uh, to people. If I learn English or if you learn Spanish, it tells me you care enough to mm -hmm. put all the work that it takes yeah. to get there. But yeah. that's a little... Uh, no, that's that's great. That's that's. I think that explains very well um, why we're not going to get replaced by technology <laughs> anytime soon. Right. So what's next for Language Matters? When you look ahead, again, without sharing too many trade uh -huh. secrets, what are some of the things you're hoping to do in the next five years or maybe even beyond? 
Yeah, so we are planning to expand to the region fully because I think right now we're kind of spotty in, yep. in, in this side of, of Indiana, but we really want to have a strong presence in the state. Yeah. Uh, and for that, again, all of these initiatives that we're working on really have to take off. And that also that means a, a bigger team, strong partnerships with organizations in, in the different areas, South Bend, Fort Wayne, mm -hmm. Indianapolis, Bloomington. And so I'm spending most of my time actually developing those relationships because yep. to me is the relationship will lead to those strong relation uh, partnerships that were, are going to help us um, and do what we want to do. Yeah. Unless you want it to be more specific. And no, I, I could no, be more that's specific. Great. That's great. Um, and if you don't mind my asking, what are some of the other businesses you're involved with or that you founded or that you hope to be involved with? Because obviously you have an entrepreneurial spirit. Language Matters is doing well. But what else are you working on? Yeah. So my brother's business is something that we felt at starting when we were really young. Okay. And then we give it a second try. And now he's doing really well. Uh, he recruits students to come uh, to college in the U.S. Okay. And that is going really well. We're really excited about it. We get to participate uh, because a lot of the students that come need to learn English. Sure. And so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Really excited about that. I, I help when I can. It's, language Matters takes up uh, sure. most sounds, of my time. Sounds like it's a pretty big undertaking, yeah. But there are all the other initiatives. We have a nonprofit, which okay. is a um, is, is a thrift, is like a pop-up thrift store and mm -hmm. we actually use the all the proceeds to uh to give scholarships to students oh, that want to come to the u.s oh that's excellent um so that that's fun to do uh everything else we do is more on the investing side we sure. have uh you know rental properties and and a couple of things we do on the side but nothing as structured as, as sure. language matters or or, or uh, atc sure so so the the work that you and your brother are doing to recruit students college students to the u.s is that on behalf of any specific college or are you sort of agnostic to the college that it is, you're just bringing them this way. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we just bring them, uh, well, of course, we want to bring them to Indiana yeah. because we really feel that that sure. uh, uh, is where we want to bring uh, talent. Yeah. And so, uh, but no, we bring them anywhere and everywhere and, and we've seen a lot of success. We still think that there is a lot of work to be done, especially to make the information more accessible to people in other countries because mm -hmm. a lot of times we have great individuals that could come, but the lack of information prevents them from actually coming here. Sure. Uh, but we asked, uh, I think, um, yeah, we just brought a couple of students for the Fort Wayne area, um, I think last year. So um, we, yeah, we're definitely looking to do to do that more. Well, and that, that concentration on Indiana makes sense because you and your brother can tell the story firsthand of <laughs> landing right. in the cornfield and saying, where <laughs> right. are we? So you can empathize. All right. Well, I want to pivot to some more quick hit questions, if yeah. you don't mind. You've founded businesses at a very young age, I might say, um, and you've probably learned some things along the way. But what would you say is your best advice to someone who's looking to start a career about finding a path that's fulfilling and where you can have some success. What's your best career advice? I would say that uh, there's so many, but I think I'll, I'll say a couple. Yeah. I, I'll say one of them is to really uh, realize the importance of having a network. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of people start, when I started young, I didn't realize how actually having those relationships 
could change yeah. uh, my business and, and my career. And it really has done it. So I would say worry about and care for that network from a very early age. Yep. And then also, um, I, I talk about this with my brother too, with Arturo. And I think, um, actually, I responded with that question. Uh, a lot of people don't know what comes first, the big contract or the experience. How, mm -hmm. how can you get to the big contract and the work, the important work without the experience? And how can you get to experience without the important yeah. work? It's, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say my biggest advice uh, for people that either want to get into uh, you know, business or a marketing role, something like this, um, would be to always give 110 mm -hmm. uh, because uh, with, when you don't have experience, that's the way that you can make up the fact that you don't have the experience yep. and you provide uh, work at a level that nobody's expecting. Yeah. Um, so, and then when you have the contract and you have the experience, um, you continue <laughs> doing yeah. that. Sure. And I think that people sometimes think that is about getting a big deal and then doing the work and being done. But I see it as you get used to giving 110 and then you start giving 120 and then you actually just get used to the discipline and the hard work that you have to put out in order to get business. So I see it as, a, I, as, as I progress in my career as a business owner, things get harder mm -hmm. <laughs> just because I'm willing and I want to put in more effort. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're you're raising the bar for yourself as exactly. you go. Um, and while that's difficult, the much more difficult path is failure <laughs> and, and not doing right. that and, <laughs> and being, um, you know, outcompeted by by others. So it's, right. uh, it sounds like you're on the right side of that, even if some <laughs> days it may feel like you need a break. Yeah. 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 All right. Second quick hit question. And this can be about the work you, you do in general. It can be about entrepreneurship. It can be specifically about the work that Language Matters does. What's one myth or misconception about that work that you want to clear up or maybe something that's underappreciated that you mm -hmm. want to kind of shine a light on? Yeah, I'm so sorry that I'm kind of responding this kind of long, but I, I love this question too. Totally fine. Um, big misconception about uh, business owners or entrepreneurs of small businesses is that you start big. I, I think that un, unless you raise a lot of capital, mm -hmm. uh, you actually start little. Yeah. And um, I, I don't actually know where people think that, how and why people think that you can start with this huge salary. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's always been about, I want to have this role and this job and do the things that I do. And that's my biggest payout. Of course, I have to live. Sure. So I had to be logical about it. But yeah. I think that's a big misconception is that you start making a lot. And it actually takes so much effort to get to the point where you feel more comfortable. Yeah. That a lot of people are just, you know, maybe they shouldn't uh, begin as business owners. Sure. Sure. Well, I think there's a couple, you know, reasons why people may think that. Number one, they want it to be easy. Right. And number two is that we are very much a quick fix society. Um, right. And, you know, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to be a millionaire. That doesn't happen very often, especially, you know, in your case, one of the things that I admire is you you actually have employees. So, you know, if you, and you know this better than I ever will, but... You, you have to pay those employees before you pay yourself. You got to mm -hmm. pay your bills before you pay yourself. So, you know, if you're looking for a quick path to a lucrative salary, entrepreneurship may not be. Ex exactly. And yeah. uh, I, I would love to mention one thing is that like, even language matters that is always done well. 
I never, I never did the business thinking that something could go wrong. And someone asked me once, "What, uh, Lucas? How can you go and do things and, and kind of no worry about what could happen?" And I told him, "Oh, I never thought that. <laughs> that you're right. Yeah. I, I could fail, and then it could be. I was never thinking about what could have been. Yeah. I was always hopeful for what it could be, and mm-hmm. that really kept me going. Uh, I didn't get paid through language matters for." The first two years, wow. and my first ever salary, and I say decent salary for the work that I do, started this year. So that's wow. four and a half years after we founded the company. So wow. before that, it was, you know, a little harder. It was yeah. uh, limited, but now is the first time we actually celebrated. And, and my assistant sent me an email. It was super funny because she said, "Congratulations on your first like <laughs> real uh, salary as, a, as as our CEO." And I was. Uh, I actually appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. It, it took four and a half years. And, and I think that's what that's something that people don't realize. Oh, sure, sure. So I think that's very much underappreciated. So uh, that's, that's really good for people to hear that, <laughs> even if it's not what they want to hear. Um, w- one last quick hit question mm-hmm. about how you do your work in, in terms of any tools, especially someone who's really busy, right? Yeah. Tools or tips or tricks or hacks, things that you use on an ongoing basis that help you be effective, be efficient, that you think other people should know about? And it doesn't have to be a technology tool. It can be, but something that helps you do your work effectively. Yeah. So a couple of things. For me, when I started, I thought it was about this amazing software that does it all and you just rely on it. It is actually, for me personally, is anything that keeps my mind clear, Mm -hmm. that's number one. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because my wife thinks I'm a little crazy because of it, but my desk is empty. Same for me. Same for me. It has if to I be empty. Have, if I have two things on my desk, it's like having a thousand things on my desk. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so I keep it empty and I try to, my office is empty, yeah. it's clean, is everything is in, in its place. Yep. We actually bought, I bought a, a like a big cabinet thing mm-hmm. and I put everything inside and it's got doors because before I had, you know, yeah. just like the bookshelf and now I said, no, everything away. Yep. So, and just to go back to, to why, it's just, I need to have everything kind of, I need to have a clear mind because sometimes it's about just making that hour that I have to be at my desk 100% productive. And if I have a lot of distractions, I can. So I eliminate, eliminate distractions. I automate things that I can automate through mm-hmm. software and investment. Mm-hmm. And then number one, I would say, I spend a lot of time thinking, how can I get to do this process to be more efficient? Yeah. And But that is very... Uh, counterintuitive for a lot of people because if they looked at my workday, they would think, but you have all these translation projects and you have this mm-hmm. uh, tutoring hours and you have this consulting hours. Yeah. Why, are, why aren't you doing those? Because if I do that, I'm never going to get yeah. out of that. Yeah. Um, and so I actually spend a lot of time just looking through the processes and looking how I can do things more efficiently and outside of the business, which, yeah, it is counterintuitive at first. Yeah, well, and I especially like what you said about that clear workspace. It's Mm -hmm. not for everyone. Uh, It's funny you mentioned this, Lucas, because just yesterday we had some guests in the office, and my my office has nothing nothing on the desk except for – a blank sheet of paper and a pen. So if in my workflow something pops in my head, I write it down and get to it later. But there's literally no other competing paper, emails, mm-hmm. anything else. One of my coworkers downstairs, I won't mention who it is. 
other than to say it's Jill Brown, has paper <laughs> everywhere. And that works for her. She's been successful for 30 years. For me, that's my worst nightmare. So it's all work style. But, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you found this at a much younger age than, than I am. I think a key component of success is figuring out that what works for other people isn't necessarily right. what's going to work for you. And even if it seems strange and even when other people laugh <laughs> at it, if it helps you be effective in a world where there's so much potential distraction and there's so many things competing for our attention, if you can find that space where you can do really effective work and focus whatever that takes, you have to figure that out. And some people find it earlier than others. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. I it's been, you know, I think it's, it's, I like what you said about it doesn't work for everybody. So yeah. a lot of people ask, well, how do you do it? And I tell them, well, this is how I do it, but that doesn't mean it's going to be your path. Yeah. Uh, because what it makes me feel when I see an empty desk might be completely different than what you might feel. And, yeah. and so, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, when we talk about productivity, right? Getting mm -hmm. more done. For In your case, being able to start other businesses mm -hmm. and have them have the potential to be successful or be, have more time for connecting with people in the community or connecting with your right. employees. There are things you have to sacrifice to do that, right? You know, when mm -hmm. people say to me, you know, well, how do you do all this stuff? Not, <laughs> not that I do nearly as much as you do, but I'll say I watch almost no TV. I'm not on Facebook. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't play video games. Um, and people say, well, that doesn't sound like fun. And I'm like, I have a ton of fun. <laughs> I just happen to have fun in my professional life. So, you know, one of the sides of entrepreneurship I don't think people hear enough about is the things you have to sacrifice in order yeah. to do some of the things you do. And and a lot of people aren't willing to do that, so they don't. Um, is, there, is there anything else you think you do, either work style-wise or with your time, that allows you to be effective? Yes, I pay for all the things I'm bad at. Ah, I don't do yeah. anything that I'm not good at because yeah. I, I did that before yeah. and I looked really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you give me an example to kind of round this out? Yeah, uh, I I am not as organized as my assistant. Yeah, I'm not as thorough, mm -hmm. so I pay for for that. I yeah. pay for her time because it's cheaper for me that she gets to do yeah. it than if I try to do it. Um, so I and I do that with everything. If I'm not very good at something or yeah. if something's tedious, again I try to also. It's not only my time, but I try, I try to preserve my attention, my focus. Yeah. And so if I have a task that I'm good at, but maybe it's gonna take half of my energy for that day. Yeah. I don't do it because I want my full energy. And so it's two components for me: it's time and focus. And if I have maybe I have. And so for one day, for example, if I have a very important networking event and maybe a presentation or a big client that I'm pitching to, yeah. maybe that's enough. Maybe the networking event and the pitching that client is everything. That's my that's energy. A full that's my 100% yeah. of my energy. And yeah. so if there's anything else that comes up that day, I'm going to pay for that. And so mm -hmm. my workers are going to take care of all the things that... Um, that they need to clear me up so that I get to do the things that are going to really move the needle for the business. And so it's, it's, I think, I'm so sorry, but I think I want to mention uh, one thing with that. It's so funny that my wife sometimes comes home and she finds me one day, I, I remember after pitching to a city, I, I, I did that. That was the only thing. It was a 30-minute meeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, she came back, like, for lunch, and she asked me, Lucas, are you done for the day? You seem very relaxed. And I told her, I'm done. <laughs> I, yeah. I did my full day in that one meeting. I prepared for it. I went to the meeting, and now I need to 
look at all their things, but I need to relax. And so sometimes it's not the eight hours, nine hours, ten hours. It's more yeah. like the, the focus that you have for an important thing. Yeah. Well, I, I love that advice. It's about managing your energy, mm -hmm. right? You know, mm -hmm. it, you could have an hour of what looks like work that takes eight to nine hours of exactly. your energy, but you have to manage that. And then there are days when, you know, maybe you put 10 hours in in front of a computer and, and you can catch up. But if you overtax that, um, you're going to be in trouble, you know, and it's, it's even small stuff. I, uh -huh. I tell people all the times, one of the best epiphanies I ever had, I was ironing shirts on an ironing board on a day. It was like 75 degrees and sunny and I'm in trapped inside ironing shirts and doing it poorly. You know, the shirts looked worse <laughs> when I was done than when I began. And I, and I had the epiphany. I was like, why am I doing this? What, you know, when I can send it to a dry cleaner for $2 a shirt, mm -hmm. because I, I, I thought about it leading up to it and put it off and put it mm -hmm. off and put it off. So there was the mental energy of, so here's something I hate doing. I have to do it. I don't want to do it. I did it. And then after it was like, why did I waste that time? So what really was, you know, 30 minutes took four hours of energy <laughs> And I could have just put it in a bag, left it at the corner, and somebody could have picked it up and done it for me. And I know that's a really small example, but if you translate that to our work days, it's why sometimes people sit in front of a computer for eight hours and feel like, I didn't get anything done, but mm. I'm exhausted because of the mental energy exactly. in that aspect. So I'm really glad you brought that up. So everybody try a clean desk and <laughs> measure your productivity in terms of energy expended more than hours put in and, and maybe you could you too can have a successful business uh, absolutely yeah. yeah i yeah well lucas i really appreciate you joining us with everything you have going on i appreciate your time and thanks for telling us a little bit of your story yeah thank you for inviting me yep and thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode of the asher marketing podcast we'll be back next time with another great guest and we hope you'll join us then